We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Derek Young sits down with Avery Johnson's quarterback coach, Justin Hoover, coming up next. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome into another 3 Mod Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck, former B-Rider for the Manhattan Mercury, and Derek Young. You know him from K-State Online, and we are glowing, just glowing in the aftermath of Avery Johnson committing to K-State. You got to hear our immediate reaction to that. Now you're going to get a chance to hear from one of the local quarterback gurus that has worked plenty with Avery Johnson, that is Justin Hoover. D.Y. caught up with him for an exclusive interview immediately after Avery Johnson's commitment. So we'll get to that in just a moment and recap a couple other commits that K-State's pulled off since then. There, there has been uh, some momentum building pre-Avery Johnson commitment as well, as you well know if you listen to this podcast. But uh, I guess, you know, we can we can start here, D.Y. Um, we talked about, hey, is there going to be anything to follow Avery Johnson? Will there be some momentum that pushes forward after that? Uh, just where are you at right now overall with the, the commitment there and what may be forthcoming now for the Cats? Yeah, in terms of Avery Johnson, he's he's kind of made it no secret that, you know, his focus and emphasis is going to lie with the wide receivers that he wants to play with going forward. Um, even when I asked him, you know, soon after a ceremony where he did pick Kansas State, I asked him, you know, who are some of the targets, if there's any priorities, the guys that he really wanted to center his sights on. And, of course, he mentioned four-star receiver Joshua Manning and then receiver Jacoby Lane out of Arizona, which I think is also a four-star, at least by some services, maybe not maybe not all of them. So I think he's kind of going to gear himself towards the receivers, which makes sense. Um, we've seen it with Jaden Rashada when he picked Miami, saw it with Arch Manning when he picked Texas. Um, typically when those things happen, the targets – whether it be receivers, running backs, or tight ends, come soon afterwards. So, uh, and, and we all know too. I mean, it wasn't too long ago where they thought that they were about to land Joshua Manning, where he was going to announce publicly for the Wildcats, even before Avery committed. So, you would have to think, you know, Johnson's decision would certainly help the Wildcats even more. That Ward's done a great job, um, and it's not uh, booked yet or anything. And but I do think that there's also another offensive prospect that is considering making a decision here, you know, around the July 10th date is what it sounds like. So I think there is some things working behind the scenes going in Kansas State's favor. 
You know, it's interesting, D.Y., the the size that they're targeting at the wide receiver position as well. I mean, you got Andre Davis in the fold at 6'4", 200 pounds. Joshua Manning, by by all accounts, he's not a small guy by any means. He's six foot two, And then you've got Jacoby Lane, who's 6'4", 6'5"-ish, uh, and very fluid and can really run great hands. And so, you know, we're used to Kansas State getting some of those smaller guys at the receiver position, but they're really targeting a lot of size. I don't know if that's a change, a shift in philosophy with Thad Ward as the receivers coach, but, you know, certainly some talented guys that they're in the mix for. And you'd like to think you could at least maybe pull off either Manning or Jacoby Lane uh, with Avery now publicly committed. And, and he made a comment that it's now easier to recruit those guys now that he has gone public. I think they had a sense of where he was probably going to go. And that's why Jacoby Lane took that unofficial visit to Manhattan a couple of weeks ago. And they had an idea where this was headed, but now that he has actually gone out there on the, on the record and committed to Kansas state, I think he'll probably find a little more success in recruiting some of these guys. Yeah. He, he actually committed before to the staff via a phone call before he left for the elite 11. So, um, but they were probably still paranoid until, you know, he put the hat on, but they were, they were well aware in terms of the size. Some of that's probably just needing to replace both Shabastin Taylor and Malik Knowles. Um, they're also going to lose Phil Brooks, not size, but the, the, it's going to be a big receiver class. They, they could lose four or five guys. I, I don't mean to be like rain on the parade guy, but am I, am I justified in being a little bit frustrated to hear like, Oh, it's easier now that I'm publicly committed to go recruit. And then, you know, Three weeks earlier, I had actually actually committed when, you know, there could have been time where I could publicly go recruit these guys a little bit harder. Yeah, no, that's understandable. I think there were those in his inner circle that kind of wanted him to wait for that fanfare until after he had competed in the Elite 11 finals and directed his attention in that way. And you'll hear Justin Hoover talk, and he was at the Elite 11. He's an Elite 11 coach, and he thought Johnson was – in the discussion for the MVP. So, and he'll mention that when you guys hear the audio. Well, that is good. Uh, I know, did they come out with like, they don't do like a final ranking, right? It was just the 11. They give you the 11. Yep. Um, you know, he was like flirting with the top five for much of the weekend. So it was, it was a pretty impressive showing. It's pretty impressive showing for Avery Johnson, no doubt. All right. Well, DY caught up with uh, Justin Hoover, the quarterback guru who's worked plenty with a uh, private coach, basically with Avery Johnson. So uh, let's get a little bit more insight on what K-State is going to get with the Elite 11 four-star QB. What makes Avery as special as he is? I think the thing about Avery is his competitiveness. Um, I think everybody sees the athleticism and counts on that to be his go-to, his best punch, his best pitch. But I think what really boils down to is how competitive he is. Um, and that makes his teammates around him want to play hard for him. Um, and it allows them to play at a higher level. I think that's the key at quarterback is can you get the people around you to play at a higher level? His confidence and his um, competitiveness allows for his teammates to be that way. Um, so I think that's what separates Avery. Is there anything that distinguishes him from a skill set standpoint from other guys you've worked with in the past that have played at that level? I think the biggest thing for Avery is there's this um, common theme of, you know, 40 inch vertical and a 4440, and you automatically, you know, kind of label him as a dual threat guy. And to me, it's just his ability that he uses his athletic ability to get away from things so he can throw the football. Um, he most definitely can make plays with his feet. Uh, but I think that the separator is, is when you become this dual threat, you're really on top of just being able to, most dual threats are labeled as like, well, you can run and then kind of throw. 
and I think it allows him to be a really great passer, um, and the feet just kind of extend plays for him. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference in his game that he'll be able to use at the next level. When he kind of stepped up to the next level of competition at the Elite 11, what was his response? What did you feel the way he performed there in Los Angeles? Well, I think for everybody um, that was close to him, I think it was just validation of what we already knew. Um, his ability to compete at a high level on a big stage. Um, the moment wasn't too big for him, which we've seen that happen to people at the Elite 11 before. Um, he was able to kind of rise up, and by the end of it, I think he was in the conversation for MVP and had a ball or a, a pass go a different way um, on that last day of the event. I think the MVP discussion could have been different. So he proved that he belonged in the conversation of top five, top ten guys in the country. And in the time that you've worked with him, where has he improved the most? I think it's consistency. Um, I think he trusts it more than ever, um, but I think it's consistency. His ability to put the ball in places that he needs to um, and understand why it didn't go there or how it did get there. Um, his ability to self-correct now has allowed him to take his accuracy to a different level, his comfort level with his um, different footworks, um, and then some different arm angles that kind of allow him to be um, kind of separate himself against another guy. You saw a lot of his recruitment. You kind of were on the inside of it a little bit. Why did Kansas State get his pledge? Well, I think there's a lot of things. I think um, if you take it into early January um, and you look at the bowl game and you see Coach Klein calling the plays and you see how Skyler was so successful against an LSU team, and then to fast forward into the spring when Avery went on campus and went to a practice and could see the difference in the tempo and some of the things that they were asking the quarterbacks to do. I think it felt like a good fit from a schematic standpoint. Obviously, the relationships and um, that he has with the coaches and the comfort level there. You know, I've said um, really since this has gone undergone and K-State had really probably been the front runner, don't be mistaken by the fact that K-State landed a local talent. K-State landed a national recruit at quarterback that just happens to be local. And I think there's a difference there. Yeah, and then, you know Colin Klein for a while. What makes him a perfect fit to be their offensive coordinator and how good of a recruiter has he been? Because this is actually the third four-star QBs he's landed. Well, I think it's, um, I think it's evident from um, Coach Klein's track record. Um, obviously, Heisman finalist, a really successful player. Um, but then now as a coach, I think the thing that's so cool for him, um, and I know Avery felt this throughout the process, was um, the relationship and the trust factor that goes into it. Recruiting can be a little tricky when it comes to what you can trust and what you can believe. And I don't think he ever doubted that with Coach Klein. And then me being older, I mean, I feel like um, who wouldn't trust their son with Avery, or with Colin Klein? And I think that's something that in the Johnson household, I think that mattered. And you know, you're sending your, you know, you're sending your kid to a family environment with Coach Klein, and then obviously Coach Klein. A Skylar Thompson question: Because you worked with him leading up to the draft, why do you think he got drafted? And have you heard any progress with the Miami Dolphins this far? Well, so um, actually worked out with him the last two mornings, um, and. Um, I think the biggest thing for Skyler uh, is the steadiness of what we probably saw as a player at K-State, especially when he was healthy, um, and his ability to treat every day as its own day and just as important as the next one. Um, and so I think for him, um, his success so far um, as kind of, kind of penciling in as the third stream, 
and really behind Tua and then Teddy Bridgewater, recognition of once I get this system down, I think it's been his ability to recognize that he does belong and that he can play in that league. And um, so I think just be the same guy every day and be consistent and go in there and work as hard as you can. I know the Dolphins at the Combine, one of the questions that he answered so well was what does a normal day look like for you? And he, he said, I'll be the first one in, I'll be the last one to leave. And I think he's lived up to that billing, and I think that's made him um, somebody that that coaching staff's already learned to trust and also his teammates. I'd appreciate Justin Hoover taking some time to uh, talk with D.Y. And uh, D.Y., of course, for tracking down that great audio to get some insight into the quarterback K-State is getting now in Avery Johnson that everybody is pretty fired up about. It's not just that. K-State got him a running back, another one in Joe Jackson. They also got a sought-after defensive back. We'll talk more about that coming up next. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, we are back here on the Three Ma Pod. As always, brought to you by Holiday Distillery. If you want to celebrate Avery Johnson, you can do plenty of that with some 360 vodka, also some Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. If bourbon is more your style, that certainly is for us. I'm sure uh, Cole had, uh, you know, one, two, maybe six or seven whiskey sevens with uh, some some Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon after Avery Johnson. Cole, would you care to comment? Well, since he mo- he moved his timeline back, that was actually a day where I uh, I took off, but. Uh... Uh, I had plenty ahead of time to celebrate because we had a, a sense of what was coming. So yeah. over the holiday weekend, I, I certainly did enjoy some. Okay, there you go. Well, check it out. Ben Holiday Bottle and Bond Bourbon from uh, Holiday Distillery, also 360 Vodka. We appreciate their support as always. Okay, so the commitments that K-State landed also uh, between now and the last time we chatted with you, Joe Jackson, uh, a running back, pretty sought after, high three-star that uh, the coaching staff really loved. He's out of the state of Florida, which I love. Uh, developing a pipeline there. Duke, Louisville, Rutgers, Iowa State uh, schools that were all in there on Joe Jackson. And then Donovan McIntosh, also a corner from St. Louis. Again, another great spot to be getting into. That's that's one thing you have to love about these two commitments. Uh, Nebraska, Kansas, uh, Arkansas offer. Not sure if that was committable, but you have to love, I think, the length of a guy that could resemble Julius Brents in some ways. So I'll cede the floor now to, to Derek for your, uh, your analysis here on K-State picking up McIntosh and uh, Jackson. Yeah, and, and with Donovan McIntosh, 
uh, our Drew Galloway at KSO, I actually saw him at a camp in, in Kansas City, which uh, I think was the Under Armour one where Dylan Edwards was, you know, invited to the Under Armour All-American game. Donovan McIntosh was at that camp as well. And just from watching him, he's he's one of Drew's favorite commits to the class. I mean, you got a it's a true six foot two, six foot three lengthy corner. And like you said, that's gonna obviously draw apt comparisons to Julius Prince because he's probably the only cornerback that Kansas State's had in the last decade that kind of has those types of measurables. And he's an all big 12 first team or preseason because of that. So uh McIntosh can and he can really run too, McIntosh. He, I think he has a 10-8. 100 meter sprint um, in his arsenal as well. So you add those two things together, the the size, the length, and the speed, 10, 8, 100 is nothing to sneeze about. Um, then you kind of have to wonder what, you know, why there wasn't more attention on well, I was just going to ask that. Like, why, why was this guy not a four-star kid? Uh, yeah, that kind of makes me a little surprised too, because I've seen nothing that would, you know, draw red flags about his skill set at all. He's pretty good on film. He can clearly run and he has the size. So, uh, you know, come out of St. Mary's High School in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, his teammate was Jamal Roberts, I believe, too. They committed to Missouri at running back. So it's not like it's not a high school or a city that isn't getting the exposure. It's basically an SEC region at this point. So it's still interesting. I, I think Nebraska was very serious about him. Maybe not up until the, the final point, because I think that they had kind of had some decisions earlier in June that probably – made them take a detour, but, um, you know, Kansas clearly wanted him. Kansas really pushed hard for both the cornerbacks that Kansas State has landed to, to no avail. They're both Wildcats. With Joe Jackson, that was one of their favorite running backs. They they fell in love with him when he visited in the spring just from his personality standpoint and how he fit into the program and the culture that they are trying to foster, create, and establish. So um, once Dylan Edwards had committed during June and they, they – they had Jamal Roberts, you know, in the picture, John Randall Jr. in the picture, Cameron Cook in the picture. I'm probably missing another one. And they called up Joe Jackson and be like, look, we really, really want you. We know that you really, really like us. But there's probably only one spot left. So if you really are trying to wait until July or September or October, it's probably going to be too little too late. And the next thing you know, Joe Jackson's on a flight and, you know, flying to Manhattan to, uh, a few days later. So he, he made no bones about that. He really wanted to be a Wildcat as well. A very good offer sheet. I think when it came down to it, Duke, Rutgers, Louisville, and maybe Iowa State were still in the picture. But um, And if you look at rivals, Joe Jackson's probably, I, not probably, I think he's one of the highest rated commits of the class at this point. Yeah, D.Y., I mean, you mentioned it, nine other Power 5 offers, 5.7 recruit. And for those who don't know the rival system of rankings, they evaluate based off a tier of stars. So 5.5 is the lowest rated recruit. 5.6 is that middle tier. 5.7 is a high three-star where they're borderline four-star. Joe Jackson was a 5.7. According to rivals, he was the number 19 running back in the country, top 100 player from the state of Florida. You know, you look at McIntosh, and Joe Jackson, they were each ranked in the top 600 players nationally in the 24-7 composite ranking. So that's nothing to sneeze about. Uh, Jackson had plenty of other opportunities. I know I've had some people text me, well, does this mean John Randall Jr. doesn't have a spot at the table now? And, you know, I think we all know that Casey would take John Randall Jr. as well. Selling three running backs in a class will be difficult. But at the same time, you can't turn away a running back of Joe Jackson's talent. I mean, this would be one of the guys that was one of the best commits in the class in previous recruiting classes. Uh, when you look at the teams that Kansas State beat out and the talent, the skill set, really solid running back, good speed, and also a good receiver. Uh, you know, you look at his highlights, he's he's seen 
not just catching balls out of the backfield, little flare routes. He's running downfield, running post routes, um, a guy that could be a threat in the passing game as well. So love both pickups. McIntosh, you can't coach size and speed. You know, he had multiple offers as well from Power Five. So I love that addition as well and uh, really like what Kansas State's doing on the recruiting trail. Let me ask you this, Derek. How does the skill set of Joe Jackson compare to Dylan Edwards and then John Randall? Like if we are going to dream and think that John Randall becomes a part of this class too, like how how do their skill sets either complement each other or or maybe not so much? Just from an athleticism and size standpoint, I still think John Randall has the highest ceiling of potential of any of them. You just don't basically walk onto a track and never done the triple jump before and then rattle off like a top 10 time in the entire history of the state and, and win the you know state championship at a very high classification and never have done it before. So he's a rare breed of athleticism. He, he has some of the best traits of the other ones and you know a little bit more athleticism. Dylan Edwards is the biggest – he's the firecracker of the three, really. I, that's what I would say. He's a ball of explosion. Um, he's the home run hitter. There, there's not a bit, there might not be a better home run hitter in all high school football, you know, and prospect wise in the 2023 class when it comes to the running back position. There might be more skilled running backs when you talk about the full picture, especially when it comes to size. In terms of just hitting the home run and being a, a threat to score a touchdown every time he touches the ball, there's nothing better than Dylan Edwards. Joe Jackson, which is interesting because his film kind of indicates something different. Um, he runs kind of straight up uh, a little bit. Uh, I want to say vertical. He's kind of a guy that stands tall as a running back, doesn't really have a forward lean. So there's going to be some, you know, technique things that you probably want to fix a little bit when it comes to his running style. Uh, He probably is a little bit closer to Edwards, I guess, in terms of, you know, because we do see a lot of, you know, pass catching highlights um, on his film. But the more and more I talk to other people, they think he might be more of a traditional running back than Edwards. And Edwards is the one that could, be moved around more than Joe Jackson. So it's a little bit of a conflict of interest there, I think, because you, you see the film, you see one thing, but you talk to other people and they'll say another. Either way, I think this staff has earned plenty of respect in their evaluation of running backs. I mean, the way they've done it since Climate first showed up when they went out and identified James Gilbert and Jordan Brown, you know, to fill some stock gaps as, as transfers and then bringing in all the talent that they had behind Deuce Vaughn that eventually decided to move on and transfer Joe Irvin, Jacardier Wright. But uh, you have to be excited about higher recruited running backs, higher rated running backs, and what the staff has already done in evaluating running backs. But, hey, overall, with this recruiting class right now, I think it's easy to be very excited. Yes, it is against the backdrop of more conference realignment, which sucks. But if you're you're just putting the blinders on and zeroed in on K-State's recruiting class right now, Cole, I mean, it's hard to argue that this is, what, the best, for, certainly that Chris Kleiman has put together, the best since Snyder 1.0 or Ron Prince, perhaps overall with this class at the moment. I mean, I think it could go back if you don't include transfers like Arthur Brown and Bryce Brown coming in, right, and Chris Harper, and you just look at overall recruiting class. I think you can make an argument that they're tracking toward the best recruiting class toward the Ron Prince days because this has potential to be a a top 30 recruiting class if you can get a Joshua Manning in the fold, a Jacoby Lane maybe some other guys that we haven't heard about or just starting to hear about the Kansas State's going after that could boost those class rankings even farther. Right now, Rivals has the K-State recruiting class 43rd in the country, but that's based off a point system, and they only have 12 commits right now, so the more guys they get, you know, the better they'll go up in the standings. But the quality of the recruit they're bringing in, the average star rankings, it's, it's really solid. And if you look at the metrics, as you guys know, I, I love to do some research around numbers – 
you know, we looked at, I looked at recruiting classes dating back to 2017, for example. So what I looked at, I looked at the number of power five offers that the overall recruiting class at the prep ranks, the high school recruits, the number of total offers that they had from power five institutions in that recruiting class and averaged it out. Uh, you know, you look at the 2023 recruiting class currently, Kansas State has 12 commits. The combined total of Power 5 offers of those 12 commits is 72. So that means the average Power 5 offer per recruit is six Power 5 offers per recruit. 2022, the average was 1.8 Power 5 offers mm. per recruit. Mm. 2021, 2.9. 2020, 2.4. 19, 2.7. 2018, 1.9, 2017, 1.9. So think about that. You're looking at a class right now with more than double the average of Power 5 offers per recruit. Uh, when you look at, you break that down at the individual level. So, okay, people are going to think Avery Johnson's really influencing that, right? He's got 22 Power 5 offers accrued. But the 2021 class had Jake Rubley, who also had 22 Power 5 offers listed from rivals. And yet they only had 52 combined power five offers. So, you know, this is really a quality class in terms of depth that they're building. You look at the 2023 class, the number of recruits with three or more power five offers, eight. The 2022 class, four, 21, five, 2027, 2019, eight, 2018, five, 2017, six. Keep in mind, there's a lot more guys that are going to be added to this class. They're really only halfway through. Um, and then if you look at recruits with a 5.7 ranking or higher by class. Again, 5.7 is a borderline four-star recruit, according to rivals. The 23 class already has four of those guys. No other class dating back to 2016 has more than three in an entire class. Um, and, you know, you could even go to the 24-7 composite rankings. K-State's already got six dudes ranked in the top 1,000 in the country in composite rankings. You know, the most they had from 2017 to now is seven. And they've got the, the quality. They got four guys in the top 600 nationally. You know, last year they had one. The year before, one. The year before that, zero. 2019, they had three. 2018, they had zero. And 17, they had two. So, you know, as you just look at this class, they're really building a lot of quality pieces, adding a lot of quality depth to it. A lot of guys with, with several offers. It's not just Avery Johnson influencing it. And, you know, the only other thing I'll add to all of this, we talked about, you floated the question, you know, when was the last time K-State landed the number one ranked recruit in the state of Kansas? Avery Johnson, according to the 24-7 composite rankings, is the state's number one ranked recruit. You go back to 2013, Tanner Wood was the last number one ranked recruit in the 24-7 composite that committed to K-State. And before that, it was Matt Boss in 2004. Um, since 2002, when the composite rankings were a thing that they go back to that's 21 recruiting classes. K-State's only signed the top ranked recruit twice prior to Avery Johnson, you know, assuming he signs with Kansas state. So it's a big deal. Um, the, the class K-State's assembling in the state of Kansas is a big deal because you can look at the, the top five rankings in the state of Kansas dating back 2002 to now K-State's only signed 20% of the state's top five players in each recruiting class in the top 20, you know, in those 21 years. Um, so this class, they've already got five of the top 10. So it's a, it's a fun time and Kansas state's locking down the state. An important data that you're giving there, because it's so easy to like, just see three stars. Like there are so many three-star recruits out there. It's hard to differentiate. 
the data that you give about offers that re that really tells a story and how you can tell that there is some ground being gained here by this staff outside of the obvious with the, the high end Avery Johnson, Dylan Edwards, et cetera, of the world. I'm also mm -hmm. glad we got a Matt Boss mentioned there. I go ahead, Derek. I, let me before I pin cold out on Matt Boss, I'll let you get in your uh, yeah. I was gonna, and all I was going to say, and they're doing it in a year which is probably the most talent rich the state has been in a long time. Good year to do it, Cole. What's your Matt Boss story? Well, my, my scouting report on Matt Boss is he uh, – I actually got to go up against him in the uh, the 2002 sectionals of the playoffs. Cherryvale came into Rossville. They, look, here's the other thing about Cherryvale. The, if you don't know, they're southeastern Kansas. They had to bus about four hours. They made us move the game from Friday night to Saturday, um, Saturday evening, when I had tickets to go to the K-State-Nebraska football game uh, that K-State trounced the Huskers in 02, 49 to 13. It was a Christmas present from the year before. Um, that my, I don't remember if it was a Christmas present, but my parents got me tickets. Cherryville complained about the bus ride, didn't want to have to get out of school early. Did, so they moved the game to Saturday night. They came in, uh, you know, top five in the state. We beat them 62 to 14. I was a sophomore. If you look at me, you probably don't think I was an offensive tackle, uh, but I was a, a backup right tackle as a sophomore on that team and uh, got inserted into that game in the second half and uh, Matt boss was the D end across from me at six foot four, six, five, 300 pounds was a top 100 recruit in the country. And uh, I'll just say that I'm very blessed and fortunate that Matt boss had really given up on the game at that point, because I think he could have uh, thrown me a hundred yards if he really wanted to, but he, he took it pretty easy on me. This is where I was. I was, I almost made a comment about, you know, your guys careers paralleling each other at the college level, but I, I, <laughs> back off that a little bit even though i just kind of did i'm sorry matt boss i just it didn't it didn't end very well uh at k-state i don't i don't think right am i missing it How, uh, did, did Matt boss play much only only was here i believe a couple years and you all might remember the go email rumors that started about ron prince and and what he did to matt boss in a practice that oh we can't i remember that so i my apologies when i accept my well apologies. we can't we, we can't verify what what truly happened but you know there's a rumor that matt boss was banged up injured and uh ron prince basically had him bullied in practice so okay well uh, i, I my apologies then, Matt Boss. I, you, you beat the hell out of Cole Manbeck, and that makes you a great football player. We know that. He didn't beat the hell out of me. Wait, wait, wait. wait. He, he did not beat that. I, I did not give up a sack or a QB pressure. Of course, we were pretty much running the ball at that point. He probably never got out of his stance. Yeah, I don't think he did, actually. Yeah. Cole had Cole had 22 uh, D3 offers, by the way. He was a you know, five, seven, three star at the D3 level to go play. Uh, all right, that, that's going to wrap it up. Before it gets too too much further off the rails and I start slandering people, why don't we uh, just get out of here? Uh, I'm sure 360 Vodka from Holiday Distillery is very proud to have been a part of this podcast. We appreciate it anyway. Uh, for Tucker Franklin behind the scenes, Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. we got another one coming at you tomorrow. How about that? Because the Big 12 preseason poll is out. And uh, not just the preseason poll, but the preseason All-Big 12 team. K-State well represented on one, maybe not so much on the other. Stay tuned for that. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.